0: What will fill our year? What will we fill our year with? Will we come to the end of the year and feel it has been filled with worthwhile things? Will we feel satisfied as we look back over the year? Will we feel satisfied as we look back over our lives? We come to the end of Abraham's life this morning uh, and it brings to an end our series and it's an appropriate way to end the series and to begin a new year as we look ahead to what we will, how we will live our lives this year. Because as we look at Abraham's final days, uh, we're reminded of what matters in life. It helps us recalibrate our perspective and what helps us in this passage is particularly the way Moses, as an author, has set beside us a picture of Abraham's life. And then beside it, a picture of Ishmael's life. And they, they act as a, as a mirror to each other and a contrast to each other. And we want to consider, mostly uh, and firstly, Abraham. And we want to see, first of all, a full life, a full life Is that not what we want to have? We want to come to the end of our days and say that we have had a full life. And what is a full life? Look for a believer in God, a follower of God. Well, our central verses are verses 7 and 8. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years and he was gathered to his people. That little phrase, an old man and full of years, uh, it's a very common in Scripture for there to be the phrase full of years, and it appears many other places in Scripture, but in the earliest Hebrew manuscripts of Genesis, it's not in this verse. And you can see why some later scribes in copying it just assumed that that's what Moses had meant. But actually, in the earliest manuscript, it just says, an old man and full. Or as one writer puts it, aged and satisfied. He had lived a full life. Um, aged and satisfied. Full. Like that feeling you perhaps had on Christmas Day, after you'd finished Christmas dinner. He just sat there and thought, oh, I am full. That was great. I couldn't take any more. That sense of fulfillment and completeness. And is that not what we want with our lives? Now, perhaps some of you are thinking, well, I've come to this Christian life a little bit late in the game and my life has been filled with other things. Is it possible for me to have this sense of fulfillment and completeness and to say, yes, as I've come to the end of my life, yes, that was how I would have liked it to be filled. Well, actually, remember, Abraham came to this following God late in the game too. He was 75 when he started following God. And yet, there was a fullness to his life of following God in the years that God gave to him. It did happen to be 100 more years that God gave to him but it was a full life. It was certainly a packed life. Think for a moment of how packed it was. He had left his home in Babylon away over to the east and Ur of the Chaldees and he had travelled up north and west to Haran and then he had travelled down into Canaan and then down into Egypt and then up out of Egypt and back to Canaan and then it was full of travelling. It was full of Events. There was the famine in Canaan that meant he left and went to Egypt uh, and got into a tangle with Pharaoh over uh, his wife Sarah. There was the events of the the, this was the well the world superpowers of the day from Babylon coming and invading uh, Canaan and Abraham takes them on because he's trying to rescue his nephew Lot. What an incredibly eventful time that was. Then there was the destruction by God of Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham seeing it and, and interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. Then there was the wonderful promises that were made. There was the, He saw God making promises, God taking on incredible obligations. And that moment where God passes through the the severed carcasses of the animals and that covenant-making ceremony where he sees God say, I would rather be destroyed than break my promise. He's seen God, keep his promises. When he and his wife had a son when he was 100 years old, 25 years after the initial promise, and she was 90, God had then asked him, in a test of his faith, to sacrifice his son. What an incredibly full life Abraham had, and then we read in verses one to four of this chapter about a second marriage. Now, it's not immediately clear if this marriage was subsequent to Sarah's death or prior to Sarah's death. Some commentators differ, but it seems to me most likely that it's after Sarah's passing. You know, otherwise the whole thing about Abraham having children—you uh, know—he he would know that he could have children. Um, Not only that, but uh, he lives a further 35 years. Plenty of time to remarry and to have these six more children. What a full life. Packed. But I want us to note four particular ways that it's full. First of all, it's full of God's blessing. This is what the life of following God looks like. It's full of God's blessing. When we sum up Abraham's life, we can see why he felt and the writer felt this was full. This was a satisfied life. It was filled with blessing. He had left home in Ur of the Chaldees and traveled to Haran with little or nothing. And he comes to the end of his life with family, possessions, peace, grandchildren. In Genesis 23, We found local kings, local leaders coming to him seeking peace treaties. That's how significant and important and prosperous Abraham has become. God has poured out his blessing on Abraham. He had called him to leave behind his home people and his prosperity in Ur of the Chaldees. And he would left that all behind for a new life, trusting God. And God had filled his life with blessing. And is that not true for us? You've been called to leave behind an old way of life and old values. And God has called you to trust him. And he has filled our lives with blessings. He's filled our lives with the blessings of forgiveness. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The judge of all the earth has told you the verdict in advance. You've been adopted by the judge of all the earth so that he is now your father so that you've been loved with an everlasting love he is orchestrating everything in your life for your good what a blessing you have the not just the certainty of forgiveness and the certainty of being loved you have got purpose because you are living for the king and we'll think about that more in the next few weeks as we start a series on glorifying God, you're blessed with also the certainty of eternity, the certainty of life after death, the certainty of acceptance before God. We have been blessed. We are blessed by God's providential dealings with us, our lives, although we may find it hard to see because many of these things are invisible. That's what faith is. It's seeing the invisible. It's believing what we're told. Our lives are filled with blessings. It's a full life. It's also a life for Abraham that was full of struggle. It was full of blessing, but if we stopped there, that would be to misrepresent Abraham, the Bible, and God. But to misrepresent the Christian life. His life was full of struggles. There was... There were struggles with Lot about land. There were struggles in his his family life. There was personal pain and heartbreak. There were marriage struggles. There were international political struggles that he was swept up into. There were the struggles of personal failure. There were the struggles of, of testing and the struggles of temptation. His life had been filled with struggle. And the full life of faith, that's what it looks like. It is blessing, yes, but it also has many struggles. And you know here's God setting out in the, in a sense, the first great portrait of a believer, what it looks like to follow God. And he's saying, "Yes, there's blessing, but yes, there's struggle, there's difficulty, there's testing, there's heartbreak, there's disappointment, there's temptation. And we need to see that because sometimes Christians can look at struggles and assume that either God doesn't care or I'm doing something wrong or that we're wasting our time. And in this first great portrait of the life of faith, God makes it clear that yes, we may be doing something wrong. We may be doing something wrong if we're struggling. We may have been like Abraham and Stop trusting God or been disobeying God, that may be the case. And we need to put God first again and we need to trust him. But we also see that difficulties come to Abraham not because he's doing anything wrong, but as an opportunity for him to express his faith and to live by faith and to grow in his faith. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Has Abraham been sinning that God does this? No, don't think so. It's just God strengthening and testing and developing Abraham's faith so that we can see what faith looks like, that God is to be trusted completely and ultimately with everything. Now, this is what the life of faith is like. It can be filled with struggle. So that we grow in faith. So that our faith is fine-tuned and honed. And God is, is seen by us and by others to be glorious. Thirdly, it was full of God's faithfulness. How does Abraham cope with the struggles? How do we cope with the struggles? Because God is faithful always. That's what we see. If you look at Abraham's life, it's packed. Packed to the gills with God's faithfulness, a God who made promises and kept them. He made promises in chapter 12 that he would make Abraham into a great nation and that he would bless him, that he would make his name great. And, and there were the kings of the area coming and, and paying homage to Abraham. There were, you know, God had said that he would, those who would bless him he would bless and those who would curse him he would curse. And there's the, the king of the Philistines wanting to get on Abraham's side so that, that Abraham's descendants will bless the descendants and the people of this king. And then you've got Pharaoh and then you've got Abimelech and they unknowingly almost harm Abraham and his wife. And God brings restriction, God brings judgment on them because God had said those who would harm you I would harm. God had kept his promises faithful. In Genesis 15, God had said that Abraham would have a son of his own flesh and blood. In Genesis 17, he had said it would be born through Sarah. God kept his promise, God's faithfulness. Not just outside this chapter, but inside the chapter, we see fingerprints of God's faithfulness. God had promised he would make him the father of many nations. And as the children of Israel would read this chapter, when Moses writes it for them, and as they read the names in verses 1 to 4 of the sons of Keturah, and as they would look down that list of names, they would see, hold on, we know these people. These these are tribes today. Here's, Here's the people of Midian and Medan and the tribes of Seba and Sheba. There they are. We know these people. They're still there today, they would have said. So God had been faithful in keeping that promise, not only in verses 1 to 4, but in uh, the the bit about Ishmael, verses 13 to 18. They're the descendants of Ishmael that form the, the basis of the Arab nations. And the Israelites would have recognized these people groups as well. And they would say to themselves, Yes, God has made Abraham into the father of many nations. Exactly like he said. God is a God who keeps his promise. God had promised him land, descendants and blessing. And that had been fulfilled. And then, even as we read these verses in chapter 25, we see more fingerprints of God's faithfulness. In chapter 17, verse 20, God had said about Ishmael to Abraham, he said, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. Look at Ishmael and all the sons he has. God had been faithful to his promise to Abraham about Ishmael. In particular, God had said he will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation and as you count that list of names, you find that Ishmael has 12 sons, exactly like God promised Abraham about Ishmael, God keeping his word. And then even in the very last phrase about how he lived in hostility towards all of their brothers, God had promised Abraham that Ishmael would not be some sort of doormat or whipping boy as a second-rate son, but that Ishmael would be, as the promised a wild donkey of a man independent, fiercely independent, that he wouldn't be trampled on as some second-rate child of Abraham just because he was born to the maidservant. And God kept his promise. We see that even here. And another one. We read that Abraham died at 170. In Genesis fifteen five. Sorry, 15, 15, God had said, As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. There's one part of the promise that's true. And you will be buried at a good old age. Faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. faithfulness At every turn in this chapter. And it's, it's very ordinary, this faithfulness, isn't it? It's kind of hard to see. And does that not show us that we can be sure of God's faithfulness throughout our lives? But it won't always be spectacular. Sometimes it'll be very ordinary. It might even be hard to see. But you can be sure of God's faithfulness throughout your life. Your life will be full of God's faithfulness as you seek to trust him. Abraham had learned that there's one thing he could count on, bank everything on. Even his son's life, he could bank on this, that God would keep his word and God would provide. One thing he had seen, God would provide There's a fifth thing about this fullness for the life of the believer. Sorry, we're not even at the fifth thing yet. Got excited. It's full of expectant faith. There's a fourth thing that we see of this fullness. It's full of expectant faith. When Abraham bought Sarah's tomb... We saw that that was an act of faith because God had promised Abraham this land. He wasn't going to go back to Haran to bury Sarah. He wasn't going to go to, uh, to Ur of the Chaldees to bury Sarah. This land had been promised. So he's going to purchase a spot and he's going to stay here in this land. When Isaac, the promised root of descendants, had no wife, Abraham looked to God to provide a wife. Expectant faith. When he's providing in this chapter for his other sons, he does so generously and then sends them away. Why? Because he's not going to look to those sons to, to be part of the great Abrahamic dynasty, to, to be the clan, to be the tribe that will dominate in the promised land. That would have been the, the way of looking at it through just worldly eyes. Yeah, I've got all these other sons now, right? Let's build my tribe here. But he sent them away because God had promised that his greatness and descendants would be reckoned through Isaac. So even in this, he's living by faith in the promises. His expectant faith is in action yet again. And what we see with Abraham is a man who who keeps on living by faith. In the nitty-gritty details of life. What a challenge to us. This is what the life of faith looks like. It's not, it's not just coasting on the wave of God's blessings. There's struggles. Yes, there's God providing. But that doesn't mean that we sit back. It means that we keep on trusting. And then that brings us to the fifth thing. We find that in this full life of the believer, God says, I'm not done yet. There's more. There's more. And we see that hinted at in two ways. We see it first of all in verse 8 where he says, He's an old man and fool and he was gathered to his people. Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. An old man and fool and he was gathered to his people. That phrase gathered to his people doesn't mean he died because it's already told us that he died. It doesn't mean that he was buried because that comes later. But it's It's an early indication in Scripture that God's people, and all people actually, because the same said of Ishmael, know that there is more to life than just this life. Life isn't limited by death. Death is not a full stop. It's a comma. There's more to come. God isn't finished. And that's why we read from Hebrews chapter 11. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And then uh, we read that God has prepared a city for them. And then those verses at the end of the chapter, that only together with us will all things be made perfect. Only together with us would they be made perfect. Is that not incredible? God's not finished with this filling. All the blessings that we talked about a moment ago are current blessings we have, but there's much, much more to come. Much more to come. And uh, and astonishingly, what the writer to the Hebrews tells us is that Abraham hasn't got it all yet, he's waiting. Nile, although he has passed into glory and stands with Abraham this morning, hasn't got it all yet either. They're waiting for us and all of God's people, and all together, God will make everything new. And all together, it will all the presence. For all of God's people will be unwrapped together. There will be one resurrection morning for all of God's people. And in that moment, (laughs) there will be the new heavens, the new earth. the, the, The curtains will be pulled open. Everything will be seen. And all of God's people together will be made new with the resurrection bodies. And we will be filled to all the fullness that we could possibly be filled with. It's still to come. And there's another little indicator in this passage that we've a God who just doesn't stop blessing. Look at verse eleven. Just a, it keeps going. And after Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near uh, Beer Lahai Rui. Abraham might be gone. Has God changed? No. The very first thing we read after Abraham's departure is that God keeps blessing his people. Was Abraham a special case? Yes and no. He was a, he was special in that he was a, a you know, the, the 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 first that God calls. He was special in that these promises were made to him, but he was ordinary in the sense that. God treats us the same way he treats him. He's he's the God who blesses his people. He's a God who doesn't stop. How encouraging for us. This is what it is to follow God. It is to have a life filled by God. A life filled with God. And to know that although there's trouble, God will provide. And we'll see God providing. And we're to keep on believing. And we know that we have a God who's not done yet with blessing. We want to finish looking at the contrast with Ishmael. Lest we be inclined to compare. Because we can look at our lives and think, what's the point in following God? Look at my friends. Look, uh, they're doing so well. And everything's going easy for them. And there's my school friends and they don't have any trouble and they're just getting on and they're, 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 they're messing around and they're not following God's ways and it doesn't seem to bother them and life's going okay for them. And here I am trying to follow God and it's hard. Or here I am in work trying to be honest and it's hard. Or here I am following God and my health is poor or life isn't working out. There's a different kind of full life that we see from Ishmael. In verses 12 to 18, we have this little phrase. This is the account of Abraham's son, Ishmael. We see this little phrase occurring over and over again in Genesis, and it kind of either introduces the next great figure or is used to introduce a summing up of a figure who's about to just disappear out of the storyline. It happens with Ishmael. Here's the summing up of Ishmael's life as he disappears out of the storyline. It will happen with Isaac as he disappears out of the storyline. It's happened with with Nahor uh, earlier as he disappears out of the storyline. But as we see this summary, I want us to see uh, just four things very briefly here. It too points us to a life that was full of God's blessing. Ishmael's life was full of God's blessing. He lived 137 years. He had 12 sons. He becomes the leader of a great nation. There were 12 tribes of Ishmael before there were 12 tribes of Israel. They ruled the Arabian Peninsula. It's full of God's blessing. God had said he would do it, and God did it. It had its fair share of struggles as well. His life wasn't a walk in the park. He, there was an illegitimacy to him. There was that, the, 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 the hostility of Sarah towards his mother Hagar that grew and increased, particularly whenever Isaac came along, to the point where Ishmael was sent and Hagar were sent away, and then he nearly dies. This guy hasn't had it easy either. But his life too is also filled with God's faithfulness. God had made promises to Ishmael and about Ishmael to Abraham and to Hagar. God had named him Ishmael because God wanted Ishmael and Hagar to know that God hears. And God heard his cries as an infant and then as a youth whenever he was dying and God came to his aid. God had promised that he would be blessed God had promised that he would 12 sons and many descendants. God had promised that he wouldn't be a doormat, and God had kept all of those promises to Ishmael. His life was one where he experienced God's faithfulness too. But the fourth thing we note about Ishmael's life is that although it was full, it was ultimately empty. Here's the clincher. His life was filled. He had a good innings. He raised his family. He saw them prosper. They'd been greatly blessed by God. He saw God keep his promises made to him. And that's it. That's where it ends. There's a glaring contrast between the two paragraphs. Abraham's paragraph ends with, The baton of blessing being passed on from Abraham to Isaac as God keeps on blessing. How does Ishmael's paragraph end? With isolation and hostility. And there's a summing up of Ishmael's life. It's as if the loose ends of Ishmael's life are being tied up here. And that's it. That part of the story is closed. Oh yes, he has life beyond the grave too. He too, we're told, is gathered to his father's. But his life, although it is packed full, is ultimately empty. It's filled with the wrong kind of stuff. Not so much filled with the wrong stuff. I'm not so much filled with the wrong stuff, but it was the wrong kind of fool. Ishmael's life was, in some ways, had a lot of the same things about it. That Abraham's life had. But God had no place in Ishmael's life. It was filled in some ways with the wrong kind of fool. God wasn't in it. And this is the end of Ishmael's story as far as God is concerned. The line of promise doesn't run this way. And these verses are a very somber challenge. You can have a full life. You can have a great life. You can have a blessed life. You can have a life where God has provided, where God has even kept his promises, where you've raised children and seen grandchildren and even great-grandchildren. You may have left a mark in society. You may have raised a dynasty, but you have zero part in God's story. And the tragedy is that Ishmael had experienced much of what Abraham had experienced God had been so good to him. And whilst we find that God isn't finished with Abraham, he is finished with Ishmael because Ishmael doesn't respond in faith to God's blessings. There's a warning for us today and for many around us who have enjoyed God's goodness. They have a lovely family, lovely spouse, Reasonable health, good job. They've perhaps seen God's kindness to them. They've perhaps even seen God keep promises to them. God answer prayer for them. And they've done nothing with it. And like Ishmael, their lives will end and it will be too late. And they will also stand before God and they will have to give an answer. Not simply for the sins that they've committed, but for all of the good things that they've received all of the signposts towards God that they received and ignored, they will have to give an account for it. Their lives, although full, are ultimately empty. You might look at our brother Niall and say that his life didn't get as a chance to be filled, as full as it could have been had he lived another 40 or 50 years. And There could be somebody who dies at 120 whose life has been filled with discovery and they've seen all the changes in technology and yet for all they've seen, they haven't seen the one thing that matters that our brother Niall has seen, that you have seen. I'm sure all of us in our families have relations, perhaps very close, perhaps a little further out, whose lives are full They're good people, humanly speaking. Their lives are full even of God's blessings on their lives and God's providence and God's faithfulness. And there's a fullness to them. Even as a person, they're rounded and full. But we need to be reminded here that for all that fullness, without Christ, their lives are tragically empty. And we need to be burdened to pray for them. Burden to witness for them so that there is not this kind of summary statement at the end of their lives that, well, that's it. There's no more blessing to be had for them. Jesus Christ came into the world and in John 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so this passage should comfort us as we look at what a life full of faith is like, what that experience is like, of God's faithfulness amidst our struggles, of what it looks like even in terms of God's not finished yet. It should give us comfort and encouragement. It should challenge you this morning if you're not yet trusting in Christ that although your life might be full It's ultimately empty if you don't know Jesus who fills our lives with what matters. And it challenges those of us who are Christians not just to keep living by faith, but to see those around us whose lives, although full, are nonetheless tragically empty. And to see them through the lens of eternity so that we can have that desire manifested by prayer and witness that we saw in our brother Nile, a man passionate uh, to share the gospel with those around him. So let us take the lessons of Abraham and Ishmael to heart so that whatever age we die at, we leave here with a fullness of life, which will evermore be filled by God for all eternity. Amen. If you're able, let's stand as we come to God in prayer. Father in heaven, how we thank you that you take our lives which are otherwise dust and a vapour and you fill them with purpose and meaning and significance far beyond anything that we deserve or anything that we could imagine. We thank you for Jesus Christ who came so that we could have life and have it to the full. A fullness of life that we are only beginning to, to paddle at the very edges of the ocean of that fullness of life that we will enjoy forever and ever and ever and ever. And after a million years have passed, we will still be only paddling at the edge of the ocean of its richness. And, O oh Lord God, we thank you for endowing us with this immense privilege. And so encourage us and keep us believing and keep us going. And, Father, we pray for anyone here this morning whose life although full, is as yet empty and will be bitterly empty for all eternity. O Father, we pray for our loved ones, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, cousins, friends, neighbors, who don't yet know you, whose lives are full yet empty. O Lord God, burden us for them. And give us words to speak to them. And give us faithfulness in prayer for them. Father, we long to live lives that are full lives. Lives filled with you and filled with living for you. Help us to do so. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.